0: Steve hey Dan how you doing I'm fine that's uh let's start from the beginning that's a good place where's the beginning for you these days
1: the beginning wow I'm encouraged to think that um every day is a new beginning (laughs) that's that's good it's uh sounds like it doesn't really mean much but it doesn't right now but here's the deal um I am sleeping with a CPAP now and I am waking up feeling absolutely sharper than ever. Except that I I've got this big um this thing's pressing against my face like a vice grip.
0: Those have gotten better though. Didn't they used to be large octopus looking like face sucking machines?
1: No, it is better. And it's actually pretty quiet. And the problem was I would go to on the road to these festivals, they'd put me in a room with somebody. And, um, absolutely would, I would get in trouble, you know? So this other performer would look over at me and say, you know, nobody told me you snored and it was terrible. And you've dealt with that, right? You've been in the room with me. I have been in the room with you, but
0: I think while it, it has been freight train, like I think people are more used to that kind of thing than, than maybe you think. And, uh, for, you? And, as somebody who doesn't sleep very well, I've been awake many a night at festivals. I'm thinking back to one time when you and Butch, and it seems like there's somebody else staying in the same place. We were all in the same place, and it sounded like a, like several tornadoes. Outside. <laughs> That's right. Well, uh, back when
1: uh, String Along used to have their summer week-long uh, Lil Rev... I ended up um sharing a room with him and absolutely those guys could not sleep and I ended up sleeping in the hallway, you know, so the next morning we've got Dulcimer people stepping around me in the hallway. That probably didn't look real good. I shared they a room. They told you that? They told you they couldn't sleep with you in there? I could tell they couldn't sleep with me in there, and I was too embarrassed to um to expect them to.
0: Yeah, I think that's uh, self consciousness. I might be a little crazy. That's not a bad thing. It's okay to be self conscious. I think.
1: So, but but but, but you, you sleep. You, we did pretty well. I, I seem to recall we both put a massive rainstorm on your iPad, and that kind of covered up the craziness.
0: Yeah one one time at Kentucky Music Week, I was in the room that's next to the party room.
1: That's a rough room to be in
0: there's a door there's a door between the party room and the room that I was in, and that was full rainstorm as loud as it could possibly go Wow, so um that's really uh, not what I meant when I asked you about beginnings i was what I was thinking was, <clears throat> you get a call today that uh somebody wants you to to play a gig. You tell me what kind of gig it is
1: yeah, um they want me it's it's a new festival. It's, it's, um, it's, in it's the thematic.
0: It's, it's a, thematic. And it's the theme like is rainbows. juggling, juggling, juggling rainbows. rainbows. <laughs> it's a juggling rainbows thematic festival. Right. And they say, look, we've uh, heard that you're a real crowd pleaser and don't take this juggling rainbows thing too far, but at least a song in your set we'd like for it to be about rainbows. And if it had juggling, that would be good, too. Right, so, I can do... You know, and it's so, in it's in two weeks. And they're going to pay you really well. What are you going to do? What's your beginning?
1: Oh, so they want me to come in two weeks. Well, first of all, I'm going to warn them what I've learned recently, uh, that there aren't that many songs about rainbows, supposedly. Um, But... Yeah, if somebody calls to ask for a gig, the first thing you got to do is check your calendar. And I've I've double booked gigs before, so it's it's important to get that sucker down right away. And um, you know, and you're going to ask them what, what kind of stuff do you want me to teach, what levels, how much teaching, and you always end up with asking, you know, how much the fee. Let's is.
0: assume all that's taken care of. The fees acceptable and, and some other time we can talk about that process but i'm thinking about music wise so there's really only the one song when we think about rainbows well there's two like somewhere over the rainbow and the uh, the one that kermit the frog sings right and then um, there's
1: there's um but, the, but there's, they say
0: you can't do those because they've actually got kermit showing up Oh, that's and,
1: terrible where well, you could and, do led zeppelin's stairway to rainbow
0: you you could probably pull that off have you ever done that
1: uh, no. Okay. I'm sure Butch has got, he's probably worked up a version.
0: There might be people who don't know when we talk about Butch, we're talking about Butch Ross. That's right. Should we be careful about name dropping? Well, here's the thing.
1: These are our friends. And
0: no, no, I I meant, I, I guess I meant because it could hurt us.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, they're going to be we drop like. We dropped the wrong names. Yeah. Well, I think, you know. We're all a big family. I've always There's seen the dulcimer world as a family. <laughs> so I've got my cousins. I've got a lot of cousins. Um, I have aunts and uncles. I have a few grandmas, grandpas.
0: So I think we're good. That's interesting. So I want to go back to this gig that you have in a couple of weeks. This is not a dulcimer gig. This isn't where you're going to have fans that are going to be there that are like, oh, I want to go see Steve Seifert. Cause he's, oh, it's people you
1: know, that don't know me at all. That's right. That's scary.
0: Maybe there's one person. Maybe the festival director is also somebody who goes to a festival. Maybe this is a new festival that Marine Sellers is putting on.
1: Right. For jugglers.
0: For, yes.
1: Well, the thing is, if I know I have to play for non dulcimer people, it is a little bit scary um, because, you know, they're they're sitting in the audience thinking, you know, man, why don't you have a band and like play something normal? But – on the other hand, it's always nice to play for a crowd that knows nothing about the instrument. You get to surprise them a little bit, and also, they've not heard any of your material, you know. Uh, so you you you're wide open. You could play anything you want. I mean, I played for a boys' prison once, and um, I was nervous, but I th- I think they were glad for the um, the entertainment. But if I had to play for a jugglers' festival, Oh, man, if they said I had a 10-minute set, I'd feel real good about that. If, I, if you're playing at a jugglers festival, though, they're probably going to give you 45 minutes to an hour, and I don't really want to play for an hour for jugglers because they're all out there thinking we didn't come here for this. you know.
0: Hmm. What if there were going to be jugglers on the stage with you and they were <laughs> going like, to improv to what you're playing? Would you say yes to that?
1: Yeah, I would like that. I could see you doing that. I've always thought of hammer dulcimer as
0: a form of juggling. <laughs> it, it, it is a bit, rather. I think the first thing that you said about when you were, you know, if it was for non-dulcimer players, that there's a certain kind of nervousness. There's just, For me, it's a, it's a different, there's sort of a fork in the road, I think, maybe with the, what you and I do, me as a hammer dulcimer player, you as a mountain dulcimer, where I'm more nervous in front of dulcimer players.
1: You really Always. are. Mm-hmm. Well, the hammer dulcimer players, they have a very high expectation of each other, I guess.
0: <laughs> so, but you, you know, know, I see that a little differently. I, I think that's probably true. I think mountain dulcimer players do too. You were That was, a, that was a, like a sideways slap. Maybe. You were maybe. That was self deprecating humor you were trying.
1: Maybe. To. But mountain dulcimer players are a gentle, loving, supportive people. <laughs>
0: hammerdolls <laughs> players are a bunch of psychopaths
1: no you guys are um you're very well educated usually you dress very nicely um trim haircuts um often you know you have um you you're you're very sharp and fast
0: <laughs> so i think I, this is I think not the reason working. <laughs> i think the reason you think about the dress nicely is because generally if we have on shorts because the instrument blocks part of us it looks like we're naked and we don't want to do that We tend to have on pants, whereas you guys can be wearing shorts
1: if you want to. See, very often, it's it's an event where it's like 80% mountain dulcimer, 20% hammered. So I think you guys feel like strangers in a strange land just a little bit.
0: There is some of that. I mean, they're harder to take to jams, hammer dulcimer players, and hammer dulcimer players, hammer dulcimer instruments, I guess.
1: You guys, hammer dulcimer players... You want acceptance. You want the mountain crowd to like you. Uh, (laughs) I
0: agree with almost everything you say. Okay.
1: (laughs) But anyway, your your whole point about this gig that comes out of nowhere with two weeks to go. You're asking what it is? (laughs) Yeah, I want to know what it is.
0: How do you how do you prepare for something like that? What's what's what runs through your mind when you're thinking about, okay, so really I don't want to do what they I want to do something that fits what they want. I don't want to do I'm this is me thinking out loud about it now. I don't want to automatically do what people might expect you were gonna do if you didn't think about it too much. You know, the I don't want the low-hanging fruit. So to reach for that high hanging fruit you got to climb a few trees you know and and start trying to make some connections and mm,
1: I hate to keep doing this but with hammer dulcimer players you're visually impressive right off the bat I mean you've already got them the first 5 minutes they'll just be fascinated with what you're doing if I'm up there on my mountain dulcimer it's there's I mean, we're talking about a juggling festival. I mean, right off the bat, you can kind of just go there and be you. So that's, but
0: that's mildly offensive, Steve. I, I know you don't mean it that way, but it's mildly offensive. <laughs> in that, I mean, it's not. I don't think. I, we're all sideshows. Mountain Dalsimer, Hammer Dalsimer, Otto Harp, Bode Saltry. We're all sideshow acts. You're you're a better sideshow act. Hmm. I don't know. Generally, I would think that anyone who's doing something that people aren't familiar with watching. Now, this is assuming that they are at the place with the intent of watching something. Street performing is a different gig. You could have somebody who's juggling camels and and playing a nose flute at the same time. And if somebody's in a hurry to get tickets, they're going to go get tickets. Yeah, but I'll stop for the camel juggler. Absolutely. (laughs) Especially if... But if somebody's coming because they want to hear music... If you're doing something they've never seen before, I don't think you get heard as much as you get seen, no matter what the instrument is. When you first start, they're checking you out for a few minutes and deciding whether or not they want to like you.
1: If I'm getting ready for a gig like this, the first thing I do is I absolutely have fear about I need to meet these people's expectations. But the very next thing I do within seconds is I tell myself, look, you already do what you do. Um, you know, eighty percent of this needs to just m- be me doing what I do.
0: That's and big, isn't it?
1: That's huge. Because I don't want to. Um, the more I worry about how I'm being perceived, the the more likely I'm going to be perceived poorly. That's the way I always look at it. Hmm.
0: Think about that. There's a degree of. I think I agree with you mostly. I think there's also a degree of showmanship in the whole thing, as well.
1: Yeah, you're you're you know that's this that's scary too. You're really you're putting on a show, and um, the music. I know the music is central, but it's really the whole thing. Is it's really it's not so much about music. It's really about a show, and 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 again. If I get up there and really enjoy myself, this is the way I cannot be nervous, not be worried. I know I've been ever since, I guess, I got a keyboard in the seventh grade. I know what it's like to sit at home and just zone out and have a good time playing music. Uh, certainly, when I first got a dulcimer, I spent a few years. It was a very private thing. But I'd get into that space and it's 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 I always think of it like taking a warm bath. I just like to settle into that place and enjoy myself. I really believe when you get on stage, your your first goal really is to just settle into that warm bath and be comfortable. I was just talking with a club. I was working with a group of people about a week ago, and they were asking about, you know, well, should we smile when we're performing for people and and we were talking about maybe a group of eight folks performing and i and i was telling them i don't think it's such a great idea to just sit up there and purposely smile a better focus is let's be happy let's have a good sense of humor let's be excited and the and the smiles will happen you know mm-hmm. i really want to focus on enjoying myself when i'm up there i mean it's if not I can look-
0: yeah. No, I was just going to say if I can take the uh, the not an opposite viewpoint but see the same thing from a different side is I think you just want to see honesty as much as is possible and if a, a, a fake right. smile isn't a real smile we can all read that. Yeah, I it, don't know. I I say we can but then there are people who are actors who are really good actors and they fake smile for a living. Uh, I I don't know. I think it's maybe harder for musicians to get there and for singers to do that. I don't know. I'm not a singer. And sometimes I don't even consider myself a musician, though that's what I do. Uh, So therefore, it has to be a bit real. I I did this improvisational training 25 years ago, and I think the biggest thing that I took away from it is... That wasn't music, right? It wasn't music. It was acting. And it was to help me with some stage fright. And I think the biggest thing that I took away from it was it's okay to say what you're thinking as long as you're not thinking something horrible. But if you're nervous and you can incorporate that into what you're saying, it helps you to be less nervous because you hit this point of honesty. And then I agree. You go where you're – where I don't want to get in the warm bath with you. Right. (laughs) I like to use a completely different analogy, but okay, so you got to find a place where you relax into what it is you do well. But if you're looking at the audience and you're particularly nervous for whatever reason, you fell as you were walking onto the stage. It's okay to look at the audience and say it's okay. I'm okay. Let's play. I mean, th- I mean, this is this just
1: reminds me like at some point I had a drummer. When he heard me playing keyboard, you know, this is back in the day, he commented that I had bad timing <laughs> and oh no, he showed me how to do some stuff on the drums and showed me some exercises. Later on, I actually took a week long hand drum workshop specifically, not because I want to, you know, be a hand drum player, but I really wanted to get better with rhythm. But I'm thinking all that because you were freaked out by the stage a little bit, and so you sought out kind of a theatrical thing. Like, what kind of stuff were they helping you with? What 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 kind of exercises or whatever?
0: Well, we just did lots of improv skits, basically. And in an improv skit, uh, I'll relate the story of the very first one. <clears throat> My very first day in an improv class, they said, "Okay, we're going to set the scene," and. Everyone just you come and go in the scene as you want to. And the scene was most unfortunate for me because it was whitewater rafting. Somebody said, Whitewater rafting. They said, okay. And then uh, they said, on the Okoe River. Well, unfortunately, I've been down that river hundreds of times and, you know, guided rafts and kayaked it, and I knew every hole and knew everything I thought about this particular subject, which is the worst position you can be in for improvisation. Because you then try to take over and make people see, do what it is you're thinking. Yeah. And you're not magic. You can't do that. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think it applies to being on stage. And so I got a good talking to after that. (laughs) and That's kind of what the whole first day was about, was just letting go and sort of accepting what's happening right now and then going with it. Now, when you're improvising that you're going down a river, you're not really going down a river. What you're doing is participating in the act of improvisation with other people. When you're performing, you are going down a river. Oh yeah, And you do need to know how to go down that river. But the thing that you're improvising is how you interact with the audience. So those are two different skills.
1: You told me, like, we talked about this a while ago, and there was some kind of rule they gave you. I forget what it was completely.
0: Well, there's accept every offer is what of it was. That
1: was it. Talk about that for a minute.
0: Well, if on stage you turn to me and you say, hey, play a, a bossa nova in 7 8. And I clearly don't know what you're talking about. I don't know how to play a bossa nova in 7-8 because a bossa nova isn't in 7-8. Right. You know what the, the answer is still, okay, it sounds like this. <laughs> so you always want to say yes to whatever the offer is. Oh, yeah, is. that's interesting. And and then you get to twist it off somewhere else. And your response may not be
1: what they expected, but it, but you had an immediate response to it.
0: Yeah, well, that's that same thing when we were talking about the, you know, the juggling rainbows kind of thing is – That's what you want. You want to come up with something that is based on what is happening right now. Does that make sense? Now, it only works in improv. And I think it only works when you're working with other people on stage if you've got someone else that is equally confident to just kind of follow it where it goes. So you want them accepting every offer. And if you have two people on stage that are both doing that with each other and not making it negative at any point, you know, just supporting each other. Like whatever Dan says, I'm going to try to make him look good. And then whatever you say, I'm going to try to make you look good. Then you're going to both end up looking, looking okay. I mean, for a couple of ugly guys who play playing dulcimers on stage, which isn't to say you don't bring chops and practice to the gig because that's a given because you are going down the river and the river will drown you, you know? So that, you've got to have. You know,
1: I listened to this, um, I was listening to an interview with a comedian and he was talking about how important it is when you're a young comedian, it's really important to get out on stage and absolutely blow it a few times. He said, because then you realize you're going to survive. You know, you tell, you tell a joke, you get crickets and it scares you to death that first time. But then you tell another, they laugh a little, And he was saying, you know, even if it's a total disaster, it's important to know it can go there and it's okay. You can survive that. And I feel like early on with me getting on stages and I'm thinking of like high school and stuff I did in college, I was terrified, but it was really good to get out there and blow it. And I tell people, you know, that really want to get to be better as players, some of the trial by fire you go through is invaluable. You know, you can't really buy that. You, you, somebody says, come and do the rainbow juggling festival and you go there and you really blow it. But if, if you've got the right attitude, it's like you, you needed to go through that to shape whatever you're going to do in the future. And I love not being scared that I'm going to die. You know, I've gone through things in my life that are hard. And now that I'm older, I realize I can survive these things. I don't have to be afraid of all this, you know, so much. So I think when, when students in a class are worried about being nervous, I'm just thinking you need to accept some gigs you're not quite ready for, go out there and do the best you can and then just keep going, keep doing,
0: you know? Yeah. I think that's, uh, this is going to seem like maybe it's an overgeneralization or maybe making it too simple, but. You and I have both played with orchestras, and that is as foreign a world, Absolutely. to d- Dulcimer playing <laughs> as it can, you know, as it is doing your very first it's gig really at, a camel, strange, at a Rainbow strange. Juggling Festival. It's really strange, and you aren't used to it. And I tell myself exactly what you said a minute ago: it's not that you did figure out sometime you're not going to die. You have to. I have to tell myself that all the time. It's like, hey, you've practiced. You you're not perfect. Uh, you're not going to die. And I don't know. I I feel perhaps this is incorrect, but I'm always surprised that it seems to go better in the eyes, unless they're just being kind. Right. But in the eyes of people that are, you know, telling you, man, that was, and they describe what it was. It's always better than I thought it was. Right. It's like that. Have you seen that thing where? Uh, it's some skin cream or something where women describe themselves and there's a, there's a makeup artist, I mean, excuse me, there's a sketch artist yeah. who does like, and he sketches the what they're describing, but he can't see them. Oh. And then they'll do the same thing where another woman will describe this woman yeah. to a sketch artist who will describe them. That's good. And the one that the other person describes is always more beautiful than the one that the person describes themselves
1: yeah well this is so true in music i mean you certainly can go up there and do a bad job but um it's so common for me to i'll go up on stage i'll do a piece and i'll actually when people applaud i'll feel embarrassed and when i get off stage i'm feeling embarrassed about you know something but it's it's so common there's a lot of times I'll hear a recording of that later and I'll think, man, that's a lot better than I felt, you know? And I think that's a good thing to go through because now lately I've been thinking of this more when I'm up on stage, I think, okay, I feel like I'm not doing that good, but remember those times when you were actually doing better than you thought? Fine, relax, enjoy this. Don't worry about it, you know, but that does take experience and time. Um, it's almost like a relationship you've got to with another person. It takes time to trust them, really trust them. And I think you, you have to learn to trust the performer in you and that. And when you really get to that point, that's when those nerves for me start going away. But if I end up at a juggling festival or if I end up with an orchestra doing a new piece, those nerves come back in ways that maybe they haven't for years. It's, it's just about being prepared, you know.
0: Yeah. And I guess we're getting close to the to being out of time for this because we were we we're gonna try to hit thirty minutes and I'm sort of longing for some actual stories, you know, and I have some and I'm sure you have some, but I think maybe we can hold off on those. Uh and, and spread that stuff out over time as we do this. But I as I hear you talk, you sound confident, Steve. Yeah. I think you're acting just a little bit right now as well. Mm. Or, and maybe that's only me looking at you through my glasses because I, I might say the same things that you're saying if I'm trying to tell somebody this and build their confidence. But the truth is I'm not. Well, I'm excited.
1: I'm excited because some of what we're talking about is, is my, I live it every week and I have for 20 years, you know, um, i this is interesting because we're doing this podcast and it's a little bit new for both of us. Uh, you worked in radio uh, f- uh, at a public radio station in Chattanooga. Um, I was on Modern television radio, actually, with yeah. Jerry Springer as a child. <laughs> 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 I, 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 that, I should qualify. That makes us experts. <laughs> I should qualify that, but I'm not going to, just to keep things interesting. And then, um, so we have we have certain uh, familiar... We have a familiarity with the with the equipment here and some of this and we're used to talking on stage but still I think we're both a little nervous but I think I I I feel like what we're doing here reminds me of playing music on a stage once you get into the middle of it you kind of it helps me I I quit thinking about it so much
0: Sure I think there's some of that's experience and some of that's having a good plan some of that's uh knowing that you've practiced and there's and there's things that you could do that you could just fall back on, you know? So
1: listen, I want to talk okay. about cheeses, okay?
0: String cheeses?
1: <laughs> um, any kind of cheese. But when we're on the road, <laughs> I'm going to bring all this back around to cheeses. When you're on the road, and especially when you do that gig that's scaring you a little bit, like playing with an orchestra, I love... I love being up there. I love playing. I love everything about it. And I don't want to um, cast a shadow on the actual music and the performing, but I equally love when it's over. And I love hmm. when we all go out to eat or something, you know, the, the pressure's off. It reminds me of athletes after the big game or something, you know, you know, you and I are different that way. Really? Yeah. Well, that's that's very vulnerable. You're making yourself very vulnerable right now. Well, that's just true. So after the big gig, what do you want to do? You don't want to eat hide. cheeses.
0: I want to hide.
1: Really? No, that's not true. Yeah. I don't believe you.
0: Mm. <laughs> it's true. And and I don't want to talk about the gig. Woo! I don't want to talk about the gig at all.
1: Huh? It's too. I'm too. Yeah, I don't want to either. Close to it. Yeah. But I got this buddy Zeb and. He's toured on the road for years and with bands in Nashville and stuff. So the funny thing was we both love cheese, you know, and we got together last night and made some music and he brought over all this cheese and it was, um, I know this is cheesy, but we were totally devouring this stuff. Like we were playing music together and we had this big discussion about how fun it is to be on the road or to be at a festival or something And, you know, you've had your fun with the music and now you just get to hang out with folks. And I do, I love that, (laughs) but you would rather hang out with them before the performance, right?
0: Yes, absolutely. That's half the fun. I love the performance.
1: Yeah. I do too. Uh,
0: and if you said, Hey, I brought all these cheeses, (laughs) (laughs) I think, you know, I think right now, okay, well, we made it through the show before he lost his mind. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I think that's one of the things that uh, makes it fun. But I'd, I'd go eat cheese with you. So there.
1: All right. Well, are we ready to wrap this up?
0: I think it's time to wrap it up. All right. I'll see you next week. See ya.